Yes, my name's written there On the pages bright and fair Yes, my name's written in the book of life If you want to be up there Then down here you must prepare Or your name won't be in the book of life Get down on your knees and pray Get from sin must turn away Or your name won't be in the book of life If you turn to Jesus now Humbly bow, then your name it will be in the book of life. Don't you know that Christ was sent that from sin you could repent, and your name. surprise if you fail to recognize that your name it must be in the book of life get down on your knees and pray oh from sin turn away or your name won't be in the book of Must repent, or your name it won't be in the book of life. Get down on your knees and pray, sinner from sin, turn away, or your name won't be in the book of life. If you turn. Jesus now at his feet you humbly bow then your name it will be in the book of life thank God I know my name's written in the book of As a child, I foolishly turned God away, not knowing the heartache a sinner must face. But God, in His great goodness, let me. To tell all the people the lesson that I learned. The same.
take you farther than you want to go. Slowly but wholly taking control. Sin will leave you longer than you And promises sin to control, leaving me dying with nothing to show. Gone were my loved ones and my dearest friends. Let's open our Bibles together, please, in the book of the Psalms is the Psalm number 51 I want us to turn to this evening. And of course, this Psalm was a, the background of the Psalm is given in the title. And you'll find there in the title, this is historical context. It was also a Psalm that was used in the, the public gathering of God's people for worship. It was delivered to the musician. Uh, the one in charge of the music for worship in the tabernacle. It was a song that was to teach concerning the king and the king's example, how that we are to deal with sin. And we're turning here in Psalm 51. We'll read just the first seven verses because of time. And then keep your Bibles open as we come before God in prayer. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. 
According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me truly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Amen. And we know that God will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word. Let's pray together, please. Let's seek God's face in prayer. Heavenly Father, we hand the rest of this meeting over to thee. We thank thee for thy precious word. We pray that by thy Holy Spirit that thou wilt take of thy word and that thou wilt write thy word deep in the hearts of men and women. We pray that there might be genuine conviction concerning sin tonight and that there might be genuine conversion when men and women turn away from their sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and know the cleansing power of that precious blood that Jesus shed for sinners upon the cross of Calvary. And so to this end, I ask the Lord, give me power to preach thy word tonight. Help me to exalt none other than the Lord Jesus and uplift Christ. For thy word says, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Bless the Spirit of God, draw men and women to the Savior. Turn them to Christ this night. For we pray in Jesus' precious name and for his sake and glory. Amen. Amen. You'll notice at the top there of the psalm it says to the chief magician, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And what we have here is the back cloth of this psalm is the tragic downfall of the king of Israel. Now David was a man that wrote the lovely words of the psalmist. Uh, the Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And how wonderful are those words of that tremendous psalm of the 23rd Psalm. But the reality is this, that David sinned grievously against the Lord. The background is that it was a time whenever the armies of Israel would go to battle. But David didn't go. He stayed behind. And we find that David was there upon the rooftop there in his, his palace. And he looked and he saw in the distance, he saw Bathsheba as she was washing her, or bathing herself. And as David looked at her, he lusted after her and longed for her. And then, of course, he sent for her. But the reality was this, that Bathsheba was another man's wife. Uriah was one of David's uh, faithful soldiers and had gone to the battle while David had stayed at home. Uh, he had gone with the rest to the battle. And the tragedy was this, that whenever David sinned and took and sinned with, with, with Bathsheba, she was expecting a child. And whenever that news came to David, the natural thing was David says, well, how am I going to cover up my sin? Because I don't want this to get out. 
this evil that I have done. And so he desired to cover his sin. And so he sent for Uriah and brought Uriah back from the battle. Of course, whenever he brought him from the battle, he, he praised him for his faithfulness. And he said, Uriah, you go home. You go home to your wife. But Uriah would not go. Uriah realized that the soldiers were out there in a bloody battle. And he was not going to go home. He was thinking of his men, his brethren, that were out there in the battle. And so the Bible tells us that Uriah didn't go home. It was told to David in the morning that Uriah didn't go home. And so therefore, he had to have another plan. And so that he shamefully, he got Uriah drunk. And he wanted Uriah then to go home to his wife. But once again, Uriah didn't go home. So therefore, David, to cover up a sin, decided to do something else. He decided to write a letter to the, to the general of the soldiers, the army, to Joab. And he would, he would send in the hand of Uriah his own death warrant. And he, the, the king told, you, uh, told his general to put Uriah into the most front part of the battle and then to pull back and put him, leave him out there so that Uriah would be dead, that Uriah would be killed. So not only was David an adulterer, David became the person who planted the murder of Uriah, his faithful servant. What an awful tragedy. You see, as I sang tonight, sin will take you further than you want to go. I'll tell you, when David stood on the top and he looked there and he saw Bathsheba, he never thought that his sin would take him that far. He never thought the price that he would have to pay because of a sin, because he looked and he lost and he longed and he had pleasure in his own heart and in his own life. But then, in the sight of God, it was sin. And then there was a price to pay because the word of God says, be sure your sin will find you out. And so we find that Uriah was put to the front of the battle. Uriah was left there and Uriah died. The message came back to the king. Uriah is dead. Yes, we had a bad day in the battle, but Uriah's dead. David says, don't worry. Take the battle again to the enemy. You see, it pleased him. He brought Bathsheba and the people thought that David was a kind-hearted king, that he was showing kindness to Bathsheba. But no, friend, he was covering up his sin. And so we find that indeed Uriah's dead. David takes Bathsheba to be his wife. Bears the child that people thought was Uriah's child. But you see, David, he knew different. But he thought it was covered. One year later, God sent Nathan the prophet into the presence of the king. And when he went into the presence of the king, he told him a story about a little ewe lamb, the man who had only one little, lovely little lamb. And that story, David, as he heard that story, he was angry. He says, you tell me the man, you tell me who it is, I'll make him pay for what he has done. See, it's so easy to point the finger at somebody else's sin, and not your own. But God knew David's heart. Nathan the prophet sent of God into the presence of the king. The king says, tell me the man and I'll make him pay. 
And Nathan said, Thou art the man. David, I'm talking about you. And the sad reality was this, that as David stood there, he knew that his sin had been found out. And he cried out and he says, I have sinned. I have sinned. And here we have the psalm, the cry of David over his sin. A psalm, in actual fact, it is said that Lady Jane Grey, she recited the psalm when she was in the scaffold during the days of Queen Mary. It is said that Henry V requested it to be read to him on his deathbed. William Carey, the godly missionary, requested it to be the text of the sermon at his funeral. And I want us to look at it tonight. As God gives us help, the psalm, the psalm of conviction, the psalm of confession, the psalm of consecration. David sobs with a broken heart. Let's come to verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God. He cries to God for mercy. David, realizing his sin, he throws himself upon the mercy of God. He realizes that's his only hope, is to throw himself on the mercy of God. Augustine said, No one is redeemed except through unmerited mercy. And no one is condemned except through Merited judgment. Harry Reader III said, Justice is when God gives us what we deserve. Mercy is when God withholds from us what we deserve. And grace is what God gives us that we don't deserve. I want to look at this, the cry of the heart of David. Notice David is not giving reasons why God should forgive him. But he gives a reason why he's begging for forgiveness. And friend, you and I need to realize that we need forgiveness. It says, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Notice the confession of David, friend. My transgressions. Notice the emphasis upon that word, my. My transgression. Look at verse number two. Wash me truly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me against thee, the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight? Notice David doesn't give any excuses. He doesn't try to attempt to justify himself. He doesn't try to blame others. Do you remember when God said to Adam, Adam, where art thou? 
And when God brought Adam out into the open, and Adam had tried to, my Eve had got those fig leaves and sewed them together and gave them to Adam and they covered their nakedness. And Adam confessed. He said, I was ashamed. And I was afraid. Notice what he didn't say. I've sinned. I was afraid. I was ashamed. I hid myself. And God brought him to the place. Adam, what have you done? You know what Adam said? He says, God, the woman, she gave me. And I did it. In other words, he was pointing the finger at Eve. He says, you know, God, it's not my fault. The woman she gave me. And then he turned to God and he said this. He says, the woman that thou didn't give me. In other words, God, it's not only her fault, it's your fault because you gave her to me. It was everybody else's fault but his. But that's not the cry of David. David acknowledges my sin. My transgressions, mine iniquity. In other words, God brought him to the place where he openly and responsibly faced his sin. He didn't dodge, dodge the column. He doesn't try to rationalize what he has done. He acknowledges his sin. And he acknowledges his sin deserves judgment. That's why he threw himself on the mercy of God. My sin. He admits he doesn't deserve to be acquitted. Because if he did, he had pleaded for justice. But he doesn't plead for justice, friend. He pleads for mercy. He asks God to spare him the judgment. He cries to God. He says, have mercy upon me. God, according to your loving kindness, according to your tender mercies, oh God, blot out my transgressions. He's acknowledging, he's confessing his sin. And notice what he says this. Verse number three. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me against thee, thee only. Have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight? And men and women, young people, let me say this to you tonight. God sees her sin. God's watching. Some people think, you know, they hide in the darkness. And somehow that they can sin away in the darkness. And nobody, and and nobody knows about it. And nobody can see it. But the psalmist is acknowledging, listen, God, I not only have sinned. I have not only sinned against thee. But God, I have sinned in your sight. And friend, the darkness cannot hide from God. And those sins 
that you commit in the darkness, they're as clear in the eyes of God as if it was the bright noonday sun. I have done this evil in thy sight. Notice his confession here. He calls it, in verse 1, my transgressions. To transgress. And here was a willful choice that the king had made. Yes, the king knew what was right. He knew that Bathsheba was Uriah's wife. He knew that he should not have taken her. He he knew that he should not lust after her. He knew his sin was the sin of adultery. And yet he crossed that line, defiantly breaking the law of God. God says, thou shalt not commit adultery. God has said, thou shalt not kill. There is the clear line. God says, you can't do that. And David says, I can't. He transgressed. He broke the law of God, friend. He walked into forbidden territory. The boundaries that God had set, the limits that God had set. David thought, as king, he could break them. And for a year... He thought I got away with it. Until the day that Nathan, God's servant, said, David, thou art the man. You're the sinner. And he acknowledged my transgression. I have transgressed the law of God. Do you see sin as that tonight? Do you see sin as God sees it? Evil? Do you see that it's done in God's sight? Your sin is against God, against thee, thee only have I sinned. Yes, it's true. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned against his family. He sinned against his nation. But listen, when the final analysis came, his sin was against God. The boundaries that God has set. And every sin tonight that you and I commit is a sin against God. And God sees it. Friend, it's not hidden. There are no hidden sins that God can't see. Dear unsaved person, For every sin has been done in the sight of God and recorded for the day of judgment. One man stands before God. He calls our sins transgressions. And then notice what he talks about there in verse number two. He says, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. And the word there means twistedness, bent, devious, crooked dealings. Deviations from the standard, perverseness of the date. And wasn't that true? Think of the crookedness of David, friend. 
how he tried to cover up his sin. How crooked he was, bringing his faithful servant home from the battle so that he could lie with his wife and cover up David's sin. And then when he couldn't get away with that, then he made him drunk. That somehow he would stagger home. Even he didn't intend in his drunkenness, he would stagger home. And then when that didn't work, he handed him the letter which was his own death warrant. And faithful Uriah went back to Joab, the general, and he handed the letter not knowing. It was a letter said, put him in the front of the battle. Let him die there. Leave him on his own. And he'll die. Faithful Uriah went into the battle not knowing. It was the crookedness, the perverseness, the iniquity of the king he loved. The king that he was standing up for. The king that he was fighting for. was the one that sold him out. And now God brings him to the place where he acknowledges, Oh God, mine iniquity, my crookedness, my deviousness, my perverseness, mine iniquity. But he uses another word. Verse number three, he calls it transgressions, he calls it iniquity, and then he calls it verse three, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And the word sin there literally means to miss the mark. You see the archer? He takes the bow in his hand and the bow and arrow, there he goes and takes the arrow and puts it into the bow and he fires to hit the bullseye. But it falls short. He misses. He misses the mark. And that's what sin is, friend. And that stain of sin is in every one of our hearts because the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 there is no difference for all have sinned and come short. That's sin. You see, God not only says thou shalt not and man says I will but God says thou shalt And man says, I won't. See the rebellion in man's heart? Friend, listen. Remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about the brat that was in every one of our hearts. Because there's not one of us. But in the sight of God, we're sinners. There's not one of us in this meeting tonight from the preacher standing in the pulpit to the last person there in the back pew 
That God knows every one of our hearts. Thou God seest me and thou knowest me altogether. And God knows our iniquity and God knows our transgression and God knows our sin. Our sin. My sin. That's what he confesses. It's mine iniquity. It's not somebody else's. God, it's mine. He felt the burden that was upon his soul that day. The burden of his sin. And friend, let's be honest. It's so easy to point the finger at everybody else and forget that God's looking at us. He looks at me. Tell me. What does God see tonight? In thy sight. Listen, we're in God's sight. I know you can see the people around you. God has given you sight. And maybe you're judging other people. You say, I wonder is he right? I wonder is she right? What about me? Am I right? Am I right with God? Friend, you're in the presence of God tonight. You're in the very presence of a righteous and holy God. And God sees not what you want people to see, but God sees as he knows we really are. God, you know me altogether. You know me uprising. You know me down sitting. You know me outgoing. You know me incoming. And David cries out, I confess, I acknowledge my, my, not his, my. The word of God says this, every man shall give an account of himself to God. I remember a wee man that used to come to my meetings. He lived on his own, a wee man that he, he would have come to me on the Sunday, but on the Saturday night he had been sitting in the pub. And sometimes people wondered whether he was holding the bar up or the bar was holding him up. But he used to sit in the pub and he used to tell everybody, the people there in the pub, he says, man, let me tell you, you know you need to be saved. You know, you're never saved. So we man preaching up in the hell. You should be going up to hear him. And every Sunday, Matt came. I remember talking to him one day, and I said, Matt, tell me, how do you stand before God, Matt? He said, what did I tell you, Mr. McCray? He says, a woman lives not too far from me. And I see her on a certain night during the week. And she's as valuable as big. As a library. And she puts it under her arm. She goes to me. She's the biggest hypocrite. 
and the country say, and I can tell you, I don't need her kind of going. I says, Matt, that's very interesting. But you know, God says in his word, everyone should give an account of himself to God. Tell me. Do you think when you go up and you're called to the judgment throne of God, friend, do you think that God will ask you about her? Do you not think that you have enough to answer about you? You know, Matt was stumped. And then, thank God, one day, Matt saw his sin. And he came to Jesus. And it's not the person sitting beside you tonight. Each one of us needs to do business with God. Remember the wee Negro spiritual, not my brother and my sister, but it's me, dear Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. There's the confession. My sin. My iniquity. But very quickly, notice the cleansing. Because he cries unto God. Verse number one again. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out. Blot out my transgressions. What he wanted God to do was he wanted God to erase. He wanted God to wipe out. To cause to disappear. To remove so as not to leave a trace. You see, David realized his sin stood written against him. And God brought it up to him. God faced him the sin. Far better you face your sin in time, friend. Because if you wait until the day of judgment, it's too late. Far better you be honest with yourself and your soul to acknowledge my sin. I'm a sinner. And let God deal with your sin. No, David said, he said, my sin is ever before me. And I believe that when David looked at Bathsheba, the one that he married, the one that he was raising, their child, or was seeking to raise her child. And David looked into her face and David saw his son. He remembered that night. That night, pleasure of sin but what did Moses say it's only for a season let no man say there's no pleasure in sin yes there is men and women have pleasure in sin but I can tell you there's no lasting pleasure because sin will take you further than you ever want to go. 
Sin will keep you longer than ever you want to stay, and sin will cost you far more than you want to pay. And here was David, and he realized as he thought about his sin, and God had faced him for the sin, and he cried out to God, Oh God, blot it out! I want you to cover it! I want you to erase. I want you to erase my sin. Why? Because every time he looked at it, the arrow of guilt pierced his heart. My sin is ever before me. He says, God blotted out. You know, God has promised to do that. God has promised to erase your sin. If you confess your sin, thank God the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from it. Thank God the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Hebrews 10, 17, thy sins and iniquity will I remember no more. Though your sins be a scarlet. Thank God God can blot them out. Ah yes, the old devil, he's the accuser. He'll throw them up in your face. But thank God God says, I see them not. Blot out. Blot it out. And then he cried something else. Look at verse number two. He says, Wash me. Lord, wash me. In olden days, the way cleaning garments was the treading and the beating of the garments. What's he acknowledging here? He's acknowledging his robes were stained. Stained, soiled. He felt dirty. And friend, that's what sin does. It makes you dirty. And you need washed. You need washed. And that's what David cries out. He says, wash me. Wash me truly from mine iniquity. He was willing to allow God to do something. that he realized that he couldn't do. He could not wash away the stain. He said, oh God, please. Please, God, please wash me. Wash me. Why did he ask God to do it, friend? Because the stain of his sin was so deep that he couldn't remove it. But he cried to God to do it. He says, God, wash me. Wash me. And notice what he says. He says, wash me throughly. Wash me throughly. What does that mean? It means, Lord, wash me fully. Wash me completely. Oh, God, wash. Take care of my sin in every detail. And God, you're the only one who can do it. Wash me. 
wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Thank God the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, washes you clean. Truly. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, praise God, a pardon receives. And then quickly verse 7. He says, purge me. Purge me with hyssop. What was he asking God to do, friend? He wanted to be purified. You see, hyssop was used in the ceremony of cleansing, the cleansing of the leper. Do you remember the night the death angel was passing through the land of Egypt? They took the hyssop and dipped it in the blood and applied the blood of the lamb to the doorposts and to the lintel of the door. Lord, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and they'll be whiter than snow. You say, it's not a strange thing to say whiter than snow. No, it's not, friend. It's not strange. You see, scientists have discovered that every snowflake, every little snowflake, you see those lovely little snowflakes that come down and the covers, the ground's covered so white, but every snowflake has a tiny piece of dust at its core. Even a snowflake has a dirty center. A tiny dust particle comes into contact with water vapor high in the Earth's atmosphere. And the water vapor coats that tiny particle and freezes it into a tiny crystal of ice. And we see that little crystal of ice fall as snow. But it is heart of that snowflake. There's dust. Dirt. And David cried to God, Oh God, I want you to wash me. And I want to be whiter than snow. I want to be clean through and through. And that's what happens when a man comes to Christ. If any man be in Christ, he becomes a new creature. It's not a renovation job. It's a new creature. The old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. And he cries to God for cleansing.
As there's no wee man is coming up in his 80 years of age. I was visiting his home one day and he said, Mr. McCray, I want to talk to you alone. He sent his wife out and she was making to make a cup of tea. He said, Mr. McCray, I need to get saved. I had the joy of pointing that man to the Lord Jesus Christ sitting there in his front room. And then he said this word to me. He said, Mr. McCray, with a smile, he says, I feel, I feel clean. Clean. 80 years of sin, friend. And in a moment, by the sovereign, saving grace of God, He was clean. And so can you. You're here tonight. And you acknowledge your sin before God. Listen, David, David knew the Lord. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. But David got away from God. And maybe there's someone here tonight. And you remember a time in your life when you walked with God. You remember you loved the Lord with all your heart. You remember the prayer meetings you used to pray in. You remember the Bible readings that you loved to read. You remember the word of God that you loved to hear. You remember the sermons you loved to listen to. But you got away from it. Let's be honest, you don't love them as you used to love them. You don't love the fellowship of God's people. My, there would not a meeting have been called, but you'd have been there because you had a love for the things of God. There was a zeal in your heart. Is that there tonight? Is your heart cold? Have you got away from the Lord, friend? Has other things taken over? And you're missing out with God and with God's people and God's work. Thank God you can come back. Lord, take me back to Calvary. Take me back to the place where it started. Lord, loose the chains and let me go free. But I can't stay away any longer. Take me back, Lord. Take me back to Calvary. Thank God you can come back tonight. And if you're here tonight and you're a backslider, let me tell you, the devil's a liar. God loves you still. God loves you still. He promised the night you trusted him that he would never leave you, and he hasn't. You say, I'm not the person I used to be. Yes, he didn't leave you, friend. You left him. Maybe you've wandered far away from the God that once you loved. And he cried out, Oh God, verse 8, Make me to hear joy and gladness. That the bones that thou hast broken. You see, God had to break him. He had to come to the place where he was broken. 
He had to come to the place where God had to break him and God had to face him with a sin. And God's servant Nathan looked him in the eye and he said, David, thou art the man. The sin's yours. And he cried out, I've sinned. I've sinned. Verse 12, we'll soon, just in a moment, we'll be through. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He says, uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. In other words, then you become usable again. When you get right with God. God can use you. And if there's someone here tonight, and God has blessed you in days that are past, but you know you've been away from the Lord. And the old devil says, well, there's no use you coming back because God won't have you. And there's no use you coming back because nobody will ever trust you again. I want to tell you this. Peter denied the Lord with those in curses. And the Lord Jesus said when he was resurrected, he says, tell the disciples... And be sure to tell Peter that I go before you. And who was used on the day of Pentecost to lead 3,000 souls to Christ? It was that same Peter who was restored to blessing. And God give him a second chance. And friend, tonight the Lord is able to do the same for you. But you've got to confess your sin. Peter went out, the Bible said, and he wept bitterly. His heart was broken. He repented of his grievous sin. And he found out that God was a pardoning God. And what he did for him, he can do for you. If you come. Let's bow our heads in prayer. As our heads are bowed before the Lord tonight, remember we're in God's presence. It's not the person sitting beside you and what he thinks or she thinks. Thou God seest me, and thou knowest me altogether. David threw himself upon the mercy of God, friend. He didn't plead his merits. He didn't plead his position as king. He acknowledged his sin and threw himself on the mercy of God and God forgave him. 
Andy Luther, same for you. As your heads bowed before the Lord, call upon him. God knows where you stand tonight. God knows whether you're out and out for the Lord. Yes. You profess perhaps to be him, his. But you know deep inside, all's not well. Do you want to be a blessing for the rest of this mission, friend? Then get right. Get right. Confess your sin. And if there's someone here tonight and you're not saved, I beg you in God's name, come as a sinner to Jesus. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, will cleanse you. From all sin. Don't go home tonight. If you have called on the Lord, would you let us know? If you haven't, you say, Preacher, would you lead me to the Lord? Thank God we'd be delighted to do so. Just ask us there at the door, Preacher, Mr. McLaughlin, myself. Lead me to Jesus. Jesus saves. O God, separate us with thy blessing. Do the work in hearts. In Jesus' name.